Blessings on y'all. You know, this is a time of uh, this year. I've never seen a year in which we have so many people traveling and how many travel on the same Sunday. But uh, Andy Obrachta probably spoke a truth this morning. He said people heard that I was going to be in the pulpit and thought that'd be a good time to be out of town. So uh, we appreciate his uh, discernment in that matter. But you know, uh, aren't, aren't we blessed to have each other? This church is a family. We carry each other in our hearts, and I thank God so much for that. You know, speaking of traveling, I don't think the boys and girls can grasp the depth that Bill Sullivan has, the love he has for them. Uh, you know, he uh, spoke at the uh, graveside service for his mother on Friday. Yesterday, he spoke at the funeral mass. And this morning, he left Iowa early, driving nine and a half hours to get here in time for a Bible bowl tonight. I don't know that the boys and girls, or even the parents, can appreciate how much Bill Sullivan loves the children to the point he'll drive nine and a half hours. <laughs> to get here. You know, I just see Debbie back there too. Let me tell you something. We're so thankful for the staff we have at this church. I can remember the dirt years as Shirley was there and what a team we had then and now here's dear Debbie who brings such graciousness and Bill who just manages everything and I kind of watch. It's uh, it's just a blessing God has given this church. Thank him for it. We thank him for it. Well, for many, many years, Proverbs 3, verses 5 to 6 have influenced really how I've faced life. And so I don't think I could be surprised by the fact that this past week, as I diligently sought God in prayer for what word he would have brought today, that whatever path my thoughts went down, Proverbs chapter 3 kept appearing on that path. And so this morning, I think I'd be disobedient if I didn't bring a word from Proverbs chapter 3. But first, it's important that we understand the nature of Proverbs. Proverbs are not promises, and they're not precepts. God always keeps his promises. And precepts are absolute. Do this, this will happen. Proverbs, however, are a different genre. Proverbs are... Words of wisdom that a parent might give to a son or a daughter as that son or daughter is leaving home to head off to college. And out of my experience of life, here's this and this. Every time I think about that, I think of the Shakespeare play Hamlet and Polonius' advice to Laertes. And uh, one of the lines is, neither a borrower nor a lender be <laughs> wise counsel. To thine own self be true, then thou canst be false to no man, many, many more lines, but the wise counsel of a parent to a child, those are proverbs. I've lived long. This has been my experience. Hear the wisdom of what I speak to you. But the book of Proverbs is more than that. They are written by Solomon. And Solomon's wisdom was not wisdom that he gained from living, but it was wisdom that had been given to him from God. You remember when he became king and they were getting ready for the inauguration and he prayed and he said, Lord, you made 
thy servant king over these people. He said, I'm like a child. I don't know what to do. And he didn't ask for riches and he didn't ask for honor and fame. But he said, give me the wisdom that I can lead these people. And scripture says this. Now God gave Solomon wisdom and very great discernment. Breadth of mind like the sand that is on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the sons of the east. All the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all the men, and so on and so on, because God gave him wisdom. And he said, since you didn't ask for wealth and riches, long life, but you asked for wisdom, I'll give it to you. And so when you and I read the book of Proverbs, we're not just reading the wisdom of a human being named Solomon. We're hearing the wisdom of God. That gives us guidance for, for how we live. So Proverbs 3 verses 1 to 12. I think these verses sum up. They're the basis for all of the other Proverbs. Hear the word of the Lord. My son, do not forget my teaching. But let your heart keep my commandments. For length of days and years of life and peace they will add to you. Do not let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good repute in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he shall make thy path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Turn away from evil. It will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Honor the Lord from your wealth and from the first of all your produce. So your barns will be filled with plenty. Your vats will overflow with new wine. And my son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves, he reproves. Even as a father, the son in whom he delights. I don't know about you, but the first thing that catches my attention as I read Proverbs 3, verses 1 to 12, is this it addresses the manner in which we are to heed the words of wisdom. The Hebrew word that's rendered teaching can also be law. The King James renders it that way. The rest of the versions rendered as teaching. But notice it says, let your heart keep my commandments. Write them on the tablet of your heart. And so the exhortation is that it is from our hearts that we should do these things that God in wisdom gives us as instruction. Now that's far different from slavish obedience. You know, Jesus Christ has bought us and we're all slaves of His, but what a loving master He is. And because of that, our heart causes us to do what He advises us to do. And the New Lost Principle, I think I wrote this, I don't remember, it's been so many years since I wrote it. But Scripture speaks of us as slaves of Christ, and he purchased us with his own blood. 
Think about this. Here's a slave market. And all those slaves that are up for sale are on the stage. And the different ones who buy slaves, the different despotes, ah, there's a strong-looking man, I'll buy him. Ah, there's a woman who's childbearing age, I'll buy her. She can give more children and I'll have more slaves. There's a decrepit old guy, I don't want him. There's an ugly woman, I won't take her. Jesus showed up at the slave market and said, I'll take them all. And I will pay the greatest price that anyone could ever pay for anything. I'll take them all. I don't know about you, but I feel so unworthy to have been purchased by the blood of Jesus Christ. How could there be anything in my heart but gratitude and a desire that from my heart I will honor Him by doing His will and, of course, following His ways of wisdom. That's far different from grudging, slaving, Obedience, the gratitude of the heart. The second thing that grabs our attention is that there's great human benefit to following the wisdom of God. Verse 2, length of days and years of life, peace they will add you. Verse 8, it will be healing to your body and refreshment to your bones. Whenever you buy a new piece of equipment, usually an operator's manual comes with it. And I don't know how many times I've bought a new piece of equipment and I've had an old one, I've used it and used it and used it, and I buy a new one and I assume the new one works just like the old one and I don't get very far down the line I realize, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, it's not quite the same. And so I have to turn to the operator's manual manual to learn this subtlety And that subtlety, Uh, I don't know how many of you have Bluetooth in your car so you can talk to your car when you're making phone calls or receiving phone calls. I tried to set that thing up before looking at the operator's manual. Ha, what a joke. (laughs) Did you know that the God who has made us has given us an operator's manual? (laughs) Isn't that beautiful? I created you. Here is the best way to live to get the most out of life. And I've given you these instructions because I love you. We might think of a child who has never seen a candle before. Perhaps at Christmas time or Easter or some other time sees a candle and the flame is beautiful. And the child wants to grab the flame. Oh, don't do that. Why does mother say... Oh, don't do that because she wants to be a boss. No, (laughs) because she loves that child. The commands of God concerning how we are to live is because he made us, he created us, and if we live according to his wisdom, we will have the best, most fruitful life we can lead. And if we don't, 
We certainly have less than that and sometimes far less than that. Last Thursday as I was driving to Phil's diner early in the morning around 5.15 to meet with Ed, I was listening to the newscast and the newscast reported that on the in the parking lot of a topless bar named Lipstick Cabaret, I think it was, there was a man who was robbed. As soon as I heard that report, I began to feel sorry and have sorrow for those who worked at the Lipstick Cabaret. I began to have sorrow for those who are the patrons and sorrow for those people who robbed the man. What tragic lives they're leading when they could have beautiful, fruitful, healthy lives if they lived according to the operator's manual. I don't know about you, but in my life I've sometimes seen a young woman who in her teen years, beautiful, but she departed from the path of God. And not many years later I see her and she is worn and haggard, showing the effects of a life of sin, lived not according to the operator's manual. Oh, brother and sister, the things that God says do and don't do are not just rules. They are expressions of His love. If we live that way, we'll have the blessed life, the most blessed of all. As it says, health to your bones, long life, and so on. And then you'll find good favor, not only with God, but humans. I was talking to one of the brothers a week ago. I'll not say his name. He knows who he is. We were discussing the Mormons, and he talked about his parents who lived in Southern California for a few years. There were many Mormons in the area, and everyone wanted a Mormon for a neighbor because the Mormons had good conduct, good morals, very careful in the way they lived. And so I want that for a neighbor. I wonder how many of us live the kind of lives that our neighbors say, I'm glad that one's my neighbor. And if they say it, it's because we're living according to the operator's manual. Third word of wisdom, trust in the Lord with all your hearts. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. And King James says he will direct your paths. Most other versions say he will make your paths straight. That's an amazing promise, isn't it? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. I don't know how many times over the years... I've found myself in a situation with someone who is facing questions about life. I don't know what the will of God is. And I ask, well, in your situation, have you looked at the Bible? No. Well, the Bible has the answer right here. Oh, God surely doesn't expect me to do that. 
Yes, he does. <laughs> yes, he does. And that's the first place that we trust in the Lord with all of our heart. It starts with the Word of God, as you say, the operator's manual. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man in nowadays would have to say because of political correctness, the person of God may be <laughs> adequate, equipped for every good work. We've had Sunday after Sunday from the pulpit lately a lot of emphasis on Bible reading, haven't we? Well, I think that's perhaps something God's emphasizing in this church more and more. Some of us have gotten so busy, maybe even in good work, that we have not spent time in the Word as we should. I was reading this past week from Second Chronicles about Asa, the king of Judah. He was a man who really didn't seek God in his life. In Second Chronicles 2.12, it says he became diseased in his feet. And then it says, even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but he sought physicians. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with seeking physicians. Aren't we thankful that we live in an age in which we have the medical knowledge no group in history has ever had before? But when we choose to not seek God first and always and in the midst of... We are not trusting in the Lord with all our heart, leaning on our own wisdom. Oh my, how important that is. But there are times, you know, that you're in situations where the Word of God isn't clear. I don't know about you. I've been there many times. God, the Bible doesn't exactly address this. What should I do? What's the first recourse? Get on your knees. Oh God, may your Holy Spirit direct me. May your Holy Spirit speak to me. And then a second thing. This is one of the beauties of being in a church like this. <laughs> Turn to your brothers and sisters and say, Do you have any word for me here? That takes humility, doesn't it? To say, I'm in a situation, I don't know what to do, I'm seeking God. Do you have any word for me here? You'd probably be surprised how many times God speaks through a brother or a sister. And then you have to walk away and ponder now, is that truly from God or just human reasoning? But trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own. Isn't there a difference between trusting and leaning? Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. And then the word of wisdom concerning material possessions. Verse 9, honor the Lord from your wealth, and from the first fruits of all your produce. And verse 10, so your barns will be filled with plenty, and your vats will overflow with new wine. My brother and sister, I don't own anything. I'm a slave of Jesus Christ. 
And everything in this world, from the clothes I put on to my bank account to the car I drive, the house in which I live, it's his, even though it has my name on it in this world, it's his. And I'm a steward. Now, I grew up in a church that in many ways is very legalistic and almost preached that tithing was necessary for salvation. (laughs) And uh, so when I was baptized into Christ at 10 years of age, I immediately became a tither. used to get 25 cents a week. That was my allowance. I had to mow the lawn, all that kind of stuff. Now, Back then, you could buy a loaf of bread for a dime, so 25 cents is more than it is now. But I couldn't figure out how to tithe two and a half cents. So I'd put a nickel in the offering plate, a double tithe. (laughs) Boy, I sure wanted to please God. Now, as the years have gone by and I've examined the teaching of Jesus in the Gospels, I do not see tithing as a law, but... It's all God's. How does he want me to administer his possessions? And I'll tell you, you search the Bible from Genesis to the end, and you'll not find any other budget plan other than tithing. And so every Sunday, or rather every other, well, 1st and 15th, (laughs) I write a tithe check. And if I didn't, I would be robbing God because that belongs to him. And I have no say over how that's used. The poor elders, they have to figure out what to do with it. But the other 90%, that's where my stewardship comes in. What do I do with the other 90%? And I'll tell you, that's times I really have to seek God. Should I buy... A new box of clarinet reeds because the old ones are worn out. (laughs) Or should I give money to missions? These are not easy decisions, but that's where stewardship... What do I do with the other 90%? Do I exorbitantly spend money on food and eating? Do I spend it on pleasure? Do I spend it on needless gasoline because I'm driving more than I need to? How do I steward the other 90%? That's the burden I have to bear because the 10%, that's a poor elder's job to figure out what to do with that. And if I didn't put that 10% in the offering plate, I believe, as Malachi says, I would be robbing God. That's not something over which I have stewardship. That's somebody else's responsibility and I'll not deny that over the years as I have been a faithful tither sometimes even choosing the difference between tithing and paying a utility bill I've known times of lack but for some reason God has always sustained me until he has supplied (laughs) And I believe I'd not put myself forth as an example at all, but I can only speak out of experience. God is faithful. God is faithful. And he loves and cares. Then verses 11 and 12 would speak of God's loving reproof. My son, do not reject the discipline of the Lord or loathe his reproof. For whom the Lord loves... He reproves, 
even as a father, the son in whom he delights. God loves me so much that he either causes or allows some difficult things in my life to mold me into the image of Jesus. In the do loss principle, again, I, I think I wrote this. If I didn't, I'm going to say it. Do not run from nor merely resign yourself to the experiences that God allows or causes in your life, but rather embrace them because they are his means of molding you into the image of the Lord Jesus Christ. At different times in our lives, the experiences will be different. Different times of our lives, we're caring for others. Different times of our lives, it's our own issues. But usually these things stick a mirror up in front of us and say, look and see what you see. And you say, oh, God, help me. That's why I'm bringing this into your life, to take care of that ugly face you see in the mirror, (laughs) that it might more and more come to look like the image of Jesus. Do not run from, nor just resign yourself, but rather embrace the experiences that God brings into your life. And so what a wonderful proverb. These 12 verses have such wisdom to guide us in life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. And all your ways acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Amen.